Welcome to this week's episode of Ronan Talks Languages. This week, I talked to Joe, who works for Board Bia in Japan. Many years ago, Joe decided to move to Japan to teach English, but he has since never moved home. Also, do remember, we have a massive competition going on on my Instagram, Ronan Talks Languages Podcast. Find out more later on in this podcast about the great opportunity you have. Keep listening to find out more about Joe's great story. How are you, Joe? Thanks for talking to me today. Hi, Ronan. Cheers. And uh, thanks for inviting me on to talk. I'm delighted to join you. Um, I'm uh, excited by your passion for language and, and, of course, delighted to talk about my own experience. So, yeah, cheers. Great. Can you just tell me a bit about what your job is? Yeah. So I work for Board Beer, the Irish Food Board, and I head up the Japan office. So I'm based here in Tokyo. And Board Beer is situated within Ireland House, which houses uh, the Embassy of Ireland and Board Beer and the other state agencies. And Board Beer is Ireland's government state agency responsible for the promotion of Irish food and drink. And specifically for me, that means helping Ireland's food and drink producers grow their exports to the Japan market. Is there much of a demand to expand to the Japanese market? Yeah, yeah, you would be surprised. So our exports in 2020 were worth 130 million euros. So in comparison to our main markets like the UK or Europe, Japan would be, you know, a growing market. But there's huge demand here for uh, kind of macroeconomic reasons. Japan doesn't produce enough food for its very large population. And they also have a very high standard and expectation in terms of the food that they import and uh, consume. And so Ireland is really a great match for Japan. For example, some of the main sectors that would be exporting to Japan are beef, pork, cheese, some butter, whiskey, of course, as well, and seafood as well. We export a huge volume of mackerel, for example. So there's a lot going on between Ireland and Japan in terms of food. Okay, and are there any like Irish brands that maybe you wouldn't expect to see on the shelves in a Japanese supermarket? Yeah, this is an interesting question and you kind of dive straight into the food industry when you ask that in that. So we would have tons and tons of brands on shelves in markets like the UK and Germany uh, with Kerrygold and all that kind of thing. But for Japan, most of the food that we export goes into the food service industry. And so it's used in restaurants and food production. For example, there's a company that produces beef jerky that is now using Irish beef to, to do that. And so the number of brands on shelf is, is relatively few, although it is growing. But yeah, the main focus would be for, for food service. But then there are nice examples as well with uh, like Jameson and Guinness, obviously, uh, are here. And you'll see a bit of Kerrygold butter as well. So thankfully, the brands are growing as well. In, in our house here, we take Japanese students not anymore, obviously, but the last person we had would have come over just before the pandemic started last February. My dad's a big, a big fan of the whiskey. And oh, yeah. we ended up probably having our 
Japanese student on the verge of being an alcoholic <laughs> by the end of his four weeks. And he kept telling me that Japanese people love whiskey. Is that is that true? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, Japanese people really enjoy a drink. Um, they have their own traditional spirits, obviously, with sake and shochu. They love a good beer, but whiskey is absolutely massive here. They have uh, their own domestic whiskey like Nikka and Suntory, but they love international whiskey and there's uh, growth in Irish whiskey coming to Japan. And yeah, Jameson, for example, is very popular and there are plenty of other brands entering the market now. It's really good to hear that Irish, Irish brands are over there. So can you just tell me a bit about what you studied? Was it anything related to, to food and drink or even Japanese? Yeah, so this will be a kind of interesting turnaround, I suppose, because you're going to make me reel through the years now. But I actually studied mathematics, so not languages at all, not food and drink at all. But I was finishing up in 2010 and uh, just before final exams, I was looking around the jobs market and doing, I suppose, what math students do and looking at like banks and, and finance and all that kind of thing. And then I found out about a thing called the JET program, which I'm sure we'll chat about more. Uh, JET is Japan Exchange and Teaching. You come to Japan and uh, you teach English and exchange culture. And I applied to that and was lucky enough to get a spot on JET and then uh, came out after graduating. It's kind of mad because 10 or 11 years later, I'm still connected to Japan through coming on the JET program. So, yeah, I, I didn't have any experience with Japan or Japanese language before coming out, but I got really stuck in uh, as soon as I arrived and I've had a strong connection and my career has, has followed Japan since uh, starting the JET program. It's interesting that you say um, you got stuck in because a lot of people, when they move to a foreign country, especially one like so far away as Japan, they'd maybe try to grasp onto any sort of memories or groups of Irish people. Have you ever felt yourself doing that? Oh, 100%. And I think I was lucky or I was in the right environment and situation uh, in that I was living in a place called Niigata which is in the north of Japan it's very rural very few English speakers there but there was a whole group of jets uh, with people coming from the USA and Australia and New Zealand and Canada and Ireland and the UK as well and so I had tons of friends and I could speak English all the time and that was a great safety net but at the same time I was in uh, in the countryside and you had to learn a bit of Japanese to be able to survive. I really enjoyed it from the get-go, I suppose, and so I put a lot of focus and effort on uh, on starting to learn Japanese and, and trying to improve as much as I could. So certainly it's a balance between the two, and I guess on the other side, now that I'm in Tokyo, I think if I came here, for example, it would be really difficult to to get stuck in, uh, as we're saying, and to learn the language just because it's so much easier to survive without it, you know? Yeah. So you, you went on the JEP program. Could you tell me a bit about like, what's the first, I don't know how long you'd call the honeymoon phase, maybe the first three to four weeks? What, what are they like in, in Japan? 
Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I'm trying to remember those feelings because you come out and Japan, it's like a completely different world. Um, it's like you've gone off to space or something. And obviously now I'm so used to it and it's really normal. But back then you're just shocked and surprised at every little thing. Um, even just arriving, I came out in July and it was 35 degrees, 100% humidity. I had never been further than probably France or Italy back then. I hadn't experienced that heat hadn't experienced uh, being in Asia. And so you do have that kind of honeymoon period of, I'd say, one month to maybe two or three months, and everything is new, everything is different. And it's both exciting and interesting because uh, there's so many new experiences to have and so many new things to see, but then also uh, challenging as well because. You can't read kanji, you can't read a menu in a restaurant, you can't read anything in the supermarket. And so your brain can get fried as well by the end of the day very easily uh, when you live in Japan without, uh, without the language. No, for sure. But definitely they love their smiles anyway. So I've gotten away pretty well with uh, smiling to Japanese people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even now, do you know, my second or third language is uh, using my hands to, to mimic and communicate. It's always part of life here. So you did the JET program. Can you tell me, like, I guess, like, how do you even get in? Like, how do you get into that? Like, is there any requirements for that? Yes. So it's similar to TEFL, which uh, people would know about, but slightly different in that uh, JET is organized through the Japanese government and you are placed in either high schools, middle schools or elementary schools. So you're in uh, regular Japanese schools and you teach with a Japanese teacher of English. So it's slightly different to TEFL. And in terms of how to apply, so it's run through Japan's network of embassies. And so that would be the Embassy of Japan in Dublin. And I found out through a talk that the embassy was doing in my college. I went to Trinity and then they have an application form and you do that. And then hopefully you get called to the interview and then you do that. And then you find out whether you have a place or not. And I suppose in terms of JET, it's interesting because certainly having Japanese language and Japan experience is a plus. But with me as an example, it's not a requirement either. It would be the same for teaching. Uh, looking back, I was quite lucky to get onto the programme because I didn't have teaching experience either. But I think uh, what they need is for you to be a good jet. And that would be adaptability and a sense of adventure and uh, an ability to get into a classroom and teach and be communicative and uh, inspire Japanese students and, and all that kind of thing. So, of course, teaching experience, Japanese language is a plus, but it's not, uh, not required either. And so, you know, if anybody's interested in Japan and Japanese, then I would totally recommend the JET program. Um, just Google it and you can find out all about it. Just a reminder, we have a massive giveaway going on on the Rowan and Talks Languages podcast. If the JET program is something that you're interested in, but you just don't quite want to go to Japan, we have three TEFL courses to give away. We've teamed up with TEFL Ireland and we're going to give away three online English teaching courses for free. All you have to do is go over to my Instagram channel, Ronan Talks Languages Podcast to win.
if someone's thinking, okay, all I know about Japan is they eat seafood all the time and they watch cartoons, like, is there more to it than that? Oh, yeah, completely. And to be honest, I'm not a mad anime and manga person. Um, I had a vague interest in knowledge because of, say, like Pokemon or whatever. Uh, back when we were small, we all knew about that. But apart from that, um, I, I didn't have any huge knowledge of Japan. But, you know, there's so much more to the culture Maybe starting with the food, you know, sushi is amazing, but it's not the only thing. There's such a huge amount of uh, really amazing food culture here. They love the outdoors and they have the distinct seasons. So you can go snowboarding in the winter, you can go hiking in the summer and everything in between. It's a very beautiful country. So there's a lot of amazing tourism and then they love sport. You know, you've got judo, which I, I do actually, and you've got sumo, or if you're a baseball fan, then they're mad into baseball. So yeah, like uh, anime and manga is one part of Japan, but it's not the only thing by any stretch. And uh, Japan has a, a ton to offer. It's a very easy place to live, I would say as well. Like Japan is very safe and convenient and the standard of living is very high. And at the same time, there's loads of culture too. So yeah, I really love being here in Tokyo. You mentioned their um, sport in Japan. Most of us probably watched the, the Rugby World Cup in 2019 and Japan did a lot better than any of us really expected. So I was reading through your, your LinkedIn. I saw you were involved in was it the under 19s and under 20s yeah yeah this is i suppose one example of a really cool experience and that i was afforded because of my link with japan and, and my japanese language experience so japan has underage rugby teams under 19s and the under 20s and they visit europe for training and for like I don't know if they're test patches because it's not the full national team, but when they came to Ireland, they were playing Connacht and Munster and Leinster and Ulster and then the Irish under-19s. And then the under-20s as well were taking part in the Junior World Cup in France. And so through a connection, I got asked to join to be the like team interpreter and translator and help them during their visits to Ireland and then for the under 20s with the tournament in France and um, yeah it was amazing you know uh, you know when I think of say translation you think of I don't know like you're translating a, a pharmaceutical company uh, or a camera company's guidebook or that kind of thing but this was really really practical stuff. For example, I was translating Paul O'Connell, the Irish coach's uh, scrum instructions for the two teams when he was coaching them both. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Yeah, just a really nice experience to be able to use my Japanese language skills to help the, the Japan underage teams get on well during the visits to Ireland and, and then France. Yeah, and this was a job that very clearly you needed high competence in both English and Japanese. How did you get to, to that level? Yeah, so I mentioned I, I did the JET program. And with that, you come out for one year initially. But in the end, I stayed for three years on JET and I studied hard and did a lot of yeah, study and training and the competency exams and kind of just pushed and pushed from there. 
So actually, I don't have any like formal training in Japanese language or interpreting uh, or translation. I'm certainly not a, a pro conference interpreter or anything, but I've just, I suppose, built up my skills over time and exposed myself to experience as much as I could. And then um, opportunities have come my way. But I suppose in terms of how I did it, a lot of study and a lot of practice it was the main recipe. Like, although you think a lot of people, like I know from teaching Spanish in the classroom, people don't necessarily work that well from books. When you say practice, do you mean like practicing, like talking to yourself or is this actually going out and talking to people on the street? Yeah, I think both. I'm sure you give this advice all the time. And when I give it, I kind of get blank stares. But you know, you need to use your voice, you need to use the language. And so speaking to yourself is definitely a good way to go. But then also, of course, if you can find buddies who are from, you know, for me, Japanese uh, buddies uh, that you can speak with, then it's ideal because you get to use the language regularly. And it's the best way to improve in my opinion for example when I had just moved to Japan I found this little coffee shop called Fresh Coffee Number One just down the road from my apartment and I could sit up on the bar and talk to the barista and talk to the other customers and it was an ideal way to get a chance to practice so you know whether you're finding friends in person randomly or you're doing lessons on Skype online or wherever it is um, I would say, yeah, using the language is the best way to go. Is it an easy place to, you know, to maybe not set up roots, but, you know, get, get yourself going, get a job, get friends, become used to everything? Is it, is it an easy place to do that? I would say if you have a sense of adventure and independence, then it's not a crazy difficult place to get on. Yeah, the language can be difficult. In comparison to a European language, it can be relatively straightforward. And then from the like making friends and, and cultural side of things, I think you're in a u- unique position in Japan because there are very few foreign people living here and Japanese people are really interested in the outside world they love speaking English and so I I think it can be easy to make friends if you put yourself out there you know maybe on a deeper level you could say Japanese culture can be tricky and you'll never be accepted as being a normal person or being Japanese but you know for me it's never the goal to become a Japanese person if you know what I mean yeah Um, Yeah. and so I think you know it can be an an easy place to get on and uh, and enjoyable as well something that interests me from a linguistic point of view is that between the kanji and the English meaning it's almost like meaning rather than what we'd see in between for example if you're translating between French and Spanish there's a direct one-for-one equivalent Whereas I feel everything that I was hearing about Japanese and English is that there isn't always necessarily an equivalent. Yeah, uh, 100%. Do you know, these days, if I see like a, a French newspaper or, or something like that, and you see the language and you're like, wow, I can almost read this without really knowing the French language well. You can pick out words for Japanese. It's just completely different. And I've heard it described in like, it's almost like a different operating system between Windows and Linux and and Mac or whatever. Mm. And so the concepts and the ideas and the word, and then therefore the the vocabulary that they have here are just different. And so, 
you know, you can see those like lists of words that go up on, say, Reddit, like 10 Japanese words that can't be translated into English. And then there's a translation. So you can always figure out the meaning and translate in a roundabout way. But as you say, it's just not direct. Like there's a word in Japanese, gambaru, which means if you were to explain it in English, like uh, to fight and to try hard and to keep going all at the same time. And so you can like gambaru when you're studying for a test or you can gambaru when you're running a marathon. It's difficult to say that in one word in English. And so they just have these different concepts and different ideas and therefore different vocabulary. So does your Japanese help you in your in your working life in Borbia? Oh, yeah, 100%. In terms of my day-to-day work, say, when speaking with existing customers for Irish food and drink companies or potential customers, or we would often exhibit at uh, trade fairs and customers will come along and, and be speaking in Japanese. For example, last year we were running seminars and webinars about beef and about whiskey. And so I'll be speaking in Japanese then. And then also from the day-to-day admin side of the office, emails and communication is often in Japanese It's not 100% Japanese uh, in that many of the customers that I would work with have very good English skills because they speak with people around the world all the time. But certainly uh, Japanese language is like a a central part of my job, for sure. Me personally, like I have an interest in in languages and definitely food and drink. So like if someone wanted to to head towards a career in in board beer, like how would they how would they go about that? Yeah. So this is a good question, actually. You know, depending on what background you're coming from, the route might vary. But for example, board beer uh, runs a joint master's program with UCD called the uh, I think it's a UCD Smurfit Board Beer Marketing Fellowship. And this actually would apply to loads of languages and, and many of your listeners with other language skills in that the Marketing Fellowship places uh, graduates in different Board Beer offices and markets around the world to work with Board Beer and also work on client company projects. So we will have a marketing fellow coming out to us, uh, hopefully later on this year, touch wood with the COVID situation. Um, But this would be just one way to get involved with Board Beer and the food and drink industry. And obviously as well, the food and drink industry, whether it's the meat sector or the dairy sector or alcohol, they have agents and offices all around the world. So you could be in China uh, working for an Irish food company, or you could be in France working for an Irish food company. And so there's plenty of opportunity, I I would say, within food and drink, certainly that I wouldn't have realized when I was uh, studying or when I was just uh, moving to Japan. And um, yeah, exports to Japan are growing. So you would expect that There'll be opportunity down the road for people with Japanese language skills and people with Japan experience too. So all these opportunities abroad are really, they're helping Ireland to, I guess, get our products out past the foreign 4.8 million people on this island. 
saying that we're in Ireland, do you think that specifically for yourself, Japanese or any language for that um, is worthwhile? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. You know, for me, I suppose I could say like it changed my life. And um, yeah, as I said at the start, I've been connected to Japan for 11 years and been working in several jobs that have required Japanese language skill. And so, yeah, learning language, learning Japanese has been really key for me to succeed with my career. Yeah, definitely recommend. Very good. Thanks for talking to me, Joe. Yeah, cheers, Ronan. It was lovely to talk. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ronan Talks Languages. Be sure to follow me on Instagram, Ronan Talks Languages Podcast, for more information.